uh, you know we've been in this series called The Climb, and we have been following Abraham's life as he has, as he has made the climb of, of faith and, and, and what it means to walk with God and what it means to change and what it means to spiritually grow and mature and all of those things. And, so, so, and we've learned Abraham um, hasn't been perfect. He was a person much like us, and so there are some areas that he struggled. There are some areas that he, he, he got disappointed with God and got disappointed with life, and there are some issues where he had, and he, and he sinned, and, and he came back to God. And so we have been journeying through his, his life. And so this weekend, we're going we're gonna to end this series. We're going to end the series called The, the Climb. You see, uh, Abraham came to this place, Genesis chapter 22 is where we're going to be this, this afternoon or this morning, and, and, and Abraham came to this place where he reached the peak, he reached his, his destination, and so that's why he entitled this message called Peak. Peak simply means the top of a climb, it simply means to, to arrive at a destination, and so we have to ask ourselves this morning, what is the destination for the Christian life? What, what is the goal of the Christian life? What is a what is the destination of, of the Christian life? You see, Abraham, when you look at Abraham's life, you realize that Abraham, Abraham struggled in his early life because he didn't understand the destination. See, the destination for us, for believers, is really not a place. It's a relationship. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ and understanding what the point of life is. Abraham, early in his life, really struggled because Abraham made God a means to an end. In other words, God for Abraham was someone to be manipulated, someone to be used. Abraham's relationship with God early in his spiritual life, God was a means to an end. It was just a way for God to give him his dream. Uh, it was all about Abraham. It was about his happiness. It was about his joy. It was about if things work out well for him. And the problem with Abraham as he was making this journey is when God was a means to an end. It was a way to get his stuff. It was a way to get his joy. It was a way to get his happiness, and God was supposed to provide that. Whenever God didn't perform the way that Abraham wanted him to perform, then Abraham was disappointed, and Abraham was angry, and as a result of that, it caused Abraham to compromise. It caused Abraham many times to sin and make choices that, that he should have never made. So we have to ask ourselves, well, what, is, what is our destination? I mean, because when you understand the destination, when you understand what it means to peak in the Christian life, it changes everything. Now, we know that Jesus said this. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. So we understand Jesus is talking about the way. Um, Jesus, in John chapter 14, talks to his disciples about heaven. And Jesus says that uh, I'm going to go away, and the reason that I'm going to go away from you is I'm going to go and I'm going to prepare a place for you. If I prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back to you. And then he says again, and I'm going to take you to where I am. So I, I don't want to rock your world today, but really and truly, heaven is not our destination. Heaven only matters because he's there. Heaven only matters is because, like, God is there. See, in John chapter 14, if you, if, if you look at, at another statement that Jesus made, Jesus then tells the disciples, you, you know the way to where I am going. So all of a sudden, Jesus connects the way to the where. Here's what Jesus is saying all the way through the scriptures. Jesus is saying this, if this is our destination, then I'm the way. If this is our destination, then I'm the way. See, the peak, the destination of the Christian life is really not a place. 
It's really where we come to this place and we understand that, you know what, the point of this life is Jesus Christ. We are not waiting for heaven. We don't just have the promise of heaven and then we live this life however we want. We live this life like he doesn't exist. We live this life like we're not in relationship to him. But what Jesus is trying to help us understand that, guess what, I'm the way. I'm the way. And see, maturity in the Christian life, the peak in the Christian life is to where we understand that the point of this life is Jesus Christ and nothing else. The point of this life is to where we live surrendered to him. Because, listen, let me tell you something. If you're like Abraham was in, in, in the early part of his, his, his life as a God follower, and God for you becomes a means to an end, give me a better life, give me a better job, Give me a better marriage. Give me a better wife. Give me a better husband. Uh, give me happiness. Give me relationships. Give me retirement. Make my life comfortable. If that is you and God is really just a means to an end where you just kind of add church, religion, God own to what you're already doing. It's just an additive of life to help you achieve the things that you want. Then I'm telling you, when God doesn't perform the way that you think he should, then you're going to get troubled. See, that was Abraham's problem. If Jesus, listen, if Jesus becomes a means to an end, then I'm just, I'm telling you this morning, you're headed down a road of disappointment. Because for you, if the point of this life is your happiness, your joy, your success, your career, your job, your retirement, a vacation, your hobbies, your toys, you're going to live a life of disappointment. Because when you don't, when you don't, don't get those things, you're going to get angry. You're going to feel like God let you down. God didn't come through. The peak of the Christian life, the destination of the Christian life, is a position to be in. It's to where we surrender to God. And we understand that we live this life differently with Him. We live a surrendered life. You will never be able to do that until you realize you're, you're clean. You're totally and completely forgiven you are deeply loved in him you are perfect and complete in him lacking nothing listen if you don't come to that place that's what happened to abraham what allowed abraham to come to this place abraham learned even though abraham sinned even though abraham did some some things that we would think hey in the christian life that's big stuff Abraham understood he was totally and completely forgiven. He was clean, and as a result of that, God was restoring him piece by piece. And as a result of that, he could come boldly to God, and he could walk in relationship to him because he understood that the point of this life is God. The point of this life is Jesus. I'm telling you this morning, we are going to swim in the deep end of the pool to try to understand these principles. Abraham is making this climb, and God is restoring him piece by piece. And we come to Genesis chapter 22. And all of a sudden, we realize that there's something different about Abraham. Abraham has reached the peak, the destination. He realizes that I'm totally surrendered to God. Is, is life is not about me. Life is about him. Life is about what he's called me to do. At this point, Abraham no longer makes God a means to an end. He realized that God is a relationship to be enjoyed. And Abraham's no longer playing God and trying to force things, trying to make things happen. He just trusts God. In Genesis chapter 22, we realize that, that Abraham loves the giver more than the gifts. 
Abraham loves the one who makes the promise more than the promise. There's something about success that can drag people away from God. When you get that promotion, when you get your name in the headlines, when your stock goes up, when, when you're a pastor of a successful church, when your business thrives, when your bank account grows, that's, that's a test. It's a test of your relationship with God. Can, can you still put him first? Can you still be generous with your money? Can you still be generous with your time? Can you still be humble? Can you still serve him? Do you still understand that the point of this life is not our success and not our reputations? The point of this life is Jesus. So Genesis chapter 22, verse 1, we're just going to track in the story together. And, and it says, verse 1, it says, After these things God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. So keep in mind this is a test. God is simply performing a test for Abraham. And he's not going to actually require him to sacrifice his, his son. And this test is not to obtain salvation. Uh, the scripture says that salvation is a free gift, not a work, so that no man can boast. So James tells us, gives us insight, that the reason that, that we go through test is so that God can grow our maturity, so that he can grow and develop. If, if you're in a test right now, if I feel like I'm just in a spiritual test, then guess what? God desires to grow your, your maturity. And so I want to give you four things this morning about after being blessed, after reaching the peak, after reaching the destination, there's some things that Abraham did that I think is very insightful. The first thing is this. Abraham continued to hear God's voice. Abraham, Abraham understood that, that, that the point of this life is God. The point of this life is following God. The point of this life is to continue to talk with God, have a conversation with God, have a continual conversation with God. We know that communication is important in life. We know that the basis of any marriage is, is good communication, right? To where if you only talk to your spouse for 30 minutes uh, every week, your marriage will not thrive. In other words, it's daily communication, the same thing as God. I mean, we know in the professional world that communication is key, the way that we talk to other people. We know that with our, our smart devices, whether it's smartphone, tablets, emails, text messaging, the ability to be able to, to communicate properly is like important. Uh, this last week, I was trying to sit, send an email to a guy, and I would send it, it would come back. I would send it, it would come back. After five th times, you'd think I would quit doing that, but I just kept doing that. And, and finally, I pick up the phone, and I'm calling him, like, what is your email address? And I, I missed it by one letter. I'm like, seriously? You know, old school, if I mailed someone a letter and I missed it by one address, it would still get there. Remember those days when the postman would know, this is for the Jones. They don't live over here. They live here. And they, they would just route it to you. But we don't live in those days any longer. And so when you look at Abraham, you realize that God is no longer a means to an end. And in other, in other words, when you come to that place, it's a continued relationship. For Abraham, it was not what he could get out of God. It's how he could serve him. If he is a means to an end in your life, when God doesn't come through for you, you will put him in time out. And you'll say, I'm no longer going to pray to you. I'm no longer going to read scripture. I'm no longer going to worship. Because God, this Christian life, it's all about me. And you didn't come through for me the way I think you should have. And so as a result of that, you're in time out. And when I get over it, I'll have a conversation with you again. Verse 2, so, so God said to Abraham, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah 
and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now, Abraham had to have been stunned by this request. I mean, it seems like an unreasonable command. God had promised that through Isaac that all nations would be blessed and he would be the father of many nations. Isaac represents Abraham's dream. And all of a sudden, God is asking him to sacrifice your plans for me. Sacrifice your dreams. And see, now Abraham, destination, he peaked. He realized that, guess what? God is not a means to an end to just to get what I want. He's willing to do it. If God asked you right now to sacrifice your dreams, would you? Your priorities, the things that you have laid out in your life, the things that are important to you. And, and God says, I, I, I want to be like number one in your life. I want you to totally and completely surrender to me. Would you? You will never, listen, you will never be able to do that unless you know you're clean. Unless you know you've totally and completely forgiven. See, there's a lot of people that are running around in life and in the Christian life. And they don't know that they've been totally and completely forgiven of everything. And it makes their relationship with God a little bit awkward. Because they really don't know, that, does he really love me? Has he really forgiven me? Has he really restored me like Abraham, piece by piece? See, Abraham loved his son Isaac with all of his heart. Isaac was the only son left in the home. If you've been tracking with us, you know he had another son by an immoral relationship named Ishmael. Ishmael had been dismissed uh, from the family because of rebellion and some disciplinary actions. The passage tells us after these things. So scholars will tell you and theologians will tell you that, that Isaac was in his mid-teens. He was, he, he, he was in his mid-teens. He, he was a teenager. And so by that time, Abraham and Isaac had built a father-son relationship uh, they had hung out together. They probably had a deep relationship. They probably hunted and, and, and fished together. Uh, we know from Scripture they, they, they watched the Dallas Cowboys together and they cheered for the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> I know, that's, that's weak, right? Uh, this is just bonus material, but before the service or after the service, somebody walked past me and said, Hey, Pastor, we're... We're glad you don't preach like the Dallas Cowboys, inconsistent and weak. <laughs> I'm like, awesome, I won't bring the Cowboys up again. And so, so they had played sports together, they had hunted together, they had fished together, they had a deep relationship, maybe, maybe they, had, they had teased about girls together, maybe they had laughed together, had some inside jokes, they had some private talks together that fathers and sons will, will have. Oh, we, we, know they, we know they worship together, they had worked together. And so how could God ask Abraham to, like, sacrifice his son? I mean, I, I, know, I know what it was like when I gave both of my daughters away in marriage to men that I did not trust at that point. <laughs> and one of them's a Patriots fan. I mean, I'm just processing out some emotion right now. I mean, how did this happen? And I got to deal with him, like, week in, week out. His whining. No, I'll, I'll quit. <laughs> I had better quit. <laughs> and if he's listening online, I'm serious. But <laughs> And so I, God's not asking Abraham to, to, to give his son away in, in marriage or to missions. He's asking him to sacrifice. I, I, honestly, I would have thought Abraham would have said no. If you put yourself in the story, not over the story. 
God, you're asking too much. But see, he came to this place in his life. You understand this life is all about God. This life is all about following him. The second thing, after being blessed, Abraham continued to obey God's instructions. Abraham continued to obey God's instructions. Verse 3, it says, So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering arose and went to the place of which God had told him. So now you see that he's just, he's obeying God completely. Abraham didn't need a second um, notice. He didn't need a third. He didn't say, hey, God, give me another sign. I don't really trust the last sign. Just want to make sure. I mean, you just see that they had this relationship. He just, he just obeyed. It's, it's so important that if we're going to follow God, that we simply obey him. Not to do that is like results in, in like sin. It's very important that we follow God completely because we're, we're followers of Christ. And what that means is our life should look more and more like Christ as we, as we make the climb. And so he, he obeyed him, not half of it, not part of it. He obeyed him completely. Abraham was following God's instructions, even though at this point he probably didn't understand everything. Verse 4, on the third day, Abram lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. So let, let's just understand this worship in its purest form is offering the very best we have to God. Worship in its purest form is making excellent offerings to him. This is just bonus material, but this is like behind the scenes here at Fellowship of the Rockies. We do not design worship services to attract people. We design worship services to attract the heart and the presence of God. And he's the one that brings people. We design worship service to track the heart and the presence of God by offering to him the very best we have to offer, by offering to him excellent offerings. That's why Romans 12.1, Paul puts it a little bit different way than, than Jesus did, and he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a, as a living, daily sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is a spiritual act of, of worship. But you cannot do this unless you know you're clean. You cannot do this unless you know that you're totally and completely forgiven. You cannot do this unless you know that on this journey, God is restoring you piece by piece. And in Christ, you're like deeply loved. This is why it's so important. And so Paul would say the same way that Jesus would say. Jesus connected the way and the where. And Paul connects the way and the where. And Paul says, guess what? This life, he's the reason. This life, we live a life surrendered to him daily. It's our daily act of, of worship. And then, then Abraham makes this statement to the servants, and he says, I and the boy, we're going to go over here, we're going to worship, and we're going to come back to you. What a statement of faith. Abraham did not know how God was going to do it. He trusted God. He knew that God had his best at heart, and God wanted the best for him. Hebrews eleven seventeen says this about Abraham. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. In, when you understand that God is no longer a means to an end, when you're surrendered to him, then that means when you face impossible situations, 
whether it's with your health, whether it's with your marriage, whether it's with relationships, whether it's with your job, whether it's with your career, whether it's with your priorities. When you face those impossible situations in life, you do not focus on what you cannot do. You focus on what he can do. And that's what Abraham was doing. And he, so, so, he, so he told the servants, guess what? Me and the boy, we're going to go worship and, and we're going to come back. The third thing after being blessed, when Abraham came to this place in his life, Abraham continued to offer God his best. In other words, Abraham understood that worship is offering my very best, not my leftovers, not the stuff I'm, I'm, I'm not going to miss and I didn't need anyway. Um, Abraham understood that worship surrender is offering my very best to him. Verse 6, the scripture says, And Abraham took the, word, took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took his hand, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they both, they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood. But where's the lamb? For the burnt offering. Notice Isaac is familiar with worship. Abraham had handed his faith down to his son. They had, they'd been there before. The way that Isaac learned to worship is by standing next to his dad in a worship service, watching how his dad expressed himself in worship. Isaac learned to worship by hanging out with his dad during this week and some of the things that his dad spiritually spoke into this life and some of the conversations that they had. It's obvious that Abraham and Isaac had worshipped together before because they were both very comfortable in it. And Isaac understood the elements for worship. The word burnt offering is like used like five different times in Genesis chapter 22 and it's the type of offering that is a that was used for a complete sacrifice in other words that it was the most frequent word used in the hebrew for burning completely burning consuming it's the type of that offering that signified total surrender in a, in a worshiper's heart it's a picture of total surrender to god so you don't see you don't see abraham saying god you're asking too much of me I mean, I got my dreams, I got my plans, I got my priorities. I just want to kind of fit you into my life so I get the stuff I want, so you give me joy, so you get me happiness, so you come through. And so you don't hear Abraham saying, you know what, God? I'll lay his finger on the altar. Because after all, he has like 10 of them. I won't miss one of his fingers. I'll miss him. So I'm not going to follow you totally surrendered to you a lot of people want the benefit of God they won't they don't really want God in their life they want the benefit of God but they just don't want God telling them what to do or guiding them what to do or surrendering to them after Abraham was blessed the last thing is this Abraham continued to trust in God's plan I mean Abraham I mean, Abraham had journeyed with God. Abraham had walked with God. And remember, I told you, Abraham was not a perfect man. And we've looked, we've looked at the imperfections of, of Abraham and the sin of Abraham. And that, that's one of the reasons that I love Scripture so much. It, it tells you like it is. I mean, it, 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 it doesn't just give you the highlight reel of people who have followed God in Scripture. It shows you the good, the bad, and, and the ugly. 
It shows you when they struggled. And we've looked at it in Abraham's life. In verse 8, the scripture says, And so Abraham said to his son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. So they're walking up to this worship service. Abraham had to be choking back tears. Place yourself in the story, not over the story. Abraham knew what was about to happen. And you know what? I believe Isaac knew what was about to happen. I, I believe he knew he was a sacrifice. And Abraham said, you know what? I still believe God is faithful. God's going to provide everything we need. We're, we're just going to trust him. We're going to obey him. We're just going to see what he does. Verse 9, when they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the, of the wood. Don't forget that Isaac is in his mid-teens. Abraham is over 100 years old. Isaac could have overpowered his dad. Isaac was stronger than his dad. Isaac could have rebelled. Isaac could have fought his dad off, said, I'm not doing it. And all of a sudden, you realize that Isaac was willing. He's willing. Verse 10 just tells us just real briefly that Abraham tied his son and took out the knife. Can you imagine what happened when their, what went through their minds, what images went through their minds when their eyes met? And they may have remembered all the conversations and all the things that they had and they talked about. I think Abraham's hand had to be quivering at this point. I think Abraham had to realize that God has made, God has made me clean and God has restored me piece by piece and I've, I've heard from God and I, 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 I totally trust him. And he may have been sobbing and, and pleading with God, but Abraham came to this place where he realized that it's total surrender to God, even, even if we don't understand. Even if we don't understand. See, Abraham knew that he was clean, and Abraham knew that God had forgiven him. If you've been journeying with us, you know that he doubted God. He believed God. He doubted God. Two times he lied. About, he asked his wife to lie for him. He put his wife in difficult circumstances. He hurt his marriage time that he had an affair he committed adultery and out of that relationship we have the first single mom of scripture an unwed mother and yet God was restoring him piece by piece and forgave there's something different about Abraham never had a loving father and an obedient son in scripture been put to such a test at this point Jesus said this in Matthew 10 37 he said whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me see Abraham loved Isaac but he was proven he loved God more he was proven that he loved God more than his dream he was proving that he was living a life surrendered to him verse 11 tells us in the story but the Lord told Abraham and screamed out to him and said, Abraham, Abraham, he interrupted the worship service. And then verse 12, the scripture says, and so he said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, 
seeing you have not withheld your son, your dream, your priorities from me. Your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a, as a burnt offering instead of his son. Remember, Abraham had so much faith in God, he, he told Isaac, he says, don't worry. The Lord will provide. Don't worry. He is our priority. Don't worry. We are surrendered to him. The peak in this life is when you quit playing God and you quit trying to man manipulate God and you trust him. The point of this life, in case you're wondering, is Jesus and living surrendered to him. You see, we should have been offered up. We should have been the ones offered up for our sins. We should be the ones broken for our sins. But God chose to break his son, Jesus Christ, so we would be made whole. Scripture goes on and says, So Abraham called the name of the place. The Lord will provide. As it is said to this day. This is the first time in scripture. That a substitute sacrifice. Has been made. Just as the, the ram died in Isaac's place. Jesus Christ would come. And die in our place. You see, we should have been the one that died for our sin. Yet God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place so we could be made whole, so we could be clean, so we could be restored piece by piece, so we could be totally and completely forgiven. And there, there's some of you here this morning. You've never come to that place to where you've been made clean. You've never come to that place to where you've, you've accepted Him. And ask Him to come into your life for the forgiveness of your sins and understand that His death on the cross has totally and completely given you forgiveness and eternal life. And so this morning, some of you just need to accept Him. Ms. God, I want you to make me clean. I need to be forgiven of my sins. And I ask that you give me forgiveness and eternal life. And that I'm going to understand that the point of this life is you. That you are the way and the truth and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through you. There may be some of you here this morning. And you've been made clean. But you don't live like it. Because you don't understand that he has totally made you clean. You see, there's, there may be that, that sin in your past. That one sin that you don't know for sure that he's forgiven you for. That one sin that you just keep hanging on and you just keep asking for forgiveness for. That one sin that's just like haunting you. 
Abraham wasn't a perfect guy. He doubted God. He repeated the same sin over and over. He lied. Had an immoral relationship. Probably felt like a failure as a father and a failure as a dad. But God kept restoring him piece by piece and forgiving him. Abraham understood that there's nothing too dirty that he can't make clean. And if you're in Christ, based upon his word, you are totally and completely forgiven. You're deeply loved. You're perfect and complete and lacking nothing. Would you bow your heads with me and just close your eyes?